Hey guys, I want to welcome you to the weekly Wednesday for the Financial Freedom Newsletter, where every week, every Wednesday, we delve into something inspirational, motivational, something excerpt taken from the Financial Freedom Weekly Newsletter. Wherever you are, if you're listening on Spotify, on iTunes, Google, be sure to click the like, subscribe, share, comment. Without ado, let's get into the show. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, welcome to this week's podcast episode for the Financial Freedom Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Christopher Liu. As you know, I'm always in the field for looking at the top performer, getting what distinguishes them in their mindset, their abilities, their capabilities, their ability to change the world, getting those insights and distinctions and sharing them with you. So today I'm happy to introduce Whitney Elkins Hutton, and she's a going to be talking all about real estate today. Um, it's gonna it's a really interesting market with interest rates. I'm really in, uh, interested and excited to talk about real estate with Whitney. So, well, Whitney, welcome. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, I know we had connected, and uh, and like I said, real estate is one of those traditional asset classes. And um, it's how I got my financial freedom. So how do you, so tell you, tell the audience your story and how you got started. Yeah, I I got started as an accidental landlord. <laughs> um, that's not where I'm at today. Today, I'm the director of investor education at a private equity group called Passum. We have over 1.4 billion assets under management, 3,300 multifamily, 6,600 self-storage, soon to be 30 express car washes. So, um, but that's not where I started off. I started off um, in 2002, uh, bought a house with a significant other in the, about a month later, the relationship fell apart and everything was under my name, the loan, the utilities, everything. And I was young at that point in time. And, uh, Stuffed the property full of roommates, completed the rehab myself, and thought I needed to sell the property 11 months later. Mm. Um, it was it was after I sold the property that I was like, ooh, I think I made my first investing mistake. Because not only had I been not paying for any of my expenses, my roommates had been covering the mortgage, the taxes, insurance, all the utilities. I walked away with $52,000 in my pocket. And I'm like, oh man, how many more of these deals could I possibly do? And spent several years doing living, flipping, and house hacking as the strategy is known today. And then it dawned on me that I didn't have passive income. That was what I was after. And so a friend of mine said, hey, why don't you hold on to one of those properties and put a tenant in it? And I'm like, oh, nuts. That's what I should be doing. So I scaled up to 30 single family properties. Um, and then I have my next level of achievement. I had a baby girl at home. I was married. Uh, and I just didn't have the time. I mean, anybody that owns single family properties eventually understands, hey, it is, it's not, it's passive income, but it's not passive with your time. And so 
And that's when I went, dove into um, larger institutional grade deals. Multifamily specifically is where I started. I didn't know if I was going to do it actively or passively, if I was going to do partnerships or, or what I was going to do. And so I decided to do it all. Really loved the private equity space, both as an active general partner, but then also as a passive investor, because it gave me a unique ability not only to scale my income, my equity, um, without all of that time involvement, um, but I could also diversify my portfolio away from the thing that I, away from multifamily, I could add in self-storage, I could add in cash flowing businesses like Express Car Washes and not have to be the experts in those spaces. And so yeah. that kind of leads me to where I'm at today. It's really interesting when I look at the history of real estate, um, it, uh, you know, very early on, it was considered a speculative because you had stocks and you had bonds, but now it's like kind of part of the traditional and, um, you know, what's really interesting is your journey from you kind of go through this stage where you, the, you know, landlord is kind of like the, they say tenants, toilets and trash, and you're wasting a lot of time. And, um, so there's actually better ways of the, you talk about how the billionaires and the top 1% invest in real estate. They look at it very differently. Describe to the audience, this idea. Yeah, I, I would kind of consider it as a sliding scale, right? You know, you start off investing and if you start off with the traditional American narrative, um, you know, go to school, get a job, <laughs> invest in your 401k, right? And what is available in the 401k? Wall Street specifically does not want real estate in its 401ks because they wouldn't be able to charge the fees it does and, you know, reap all the tax benefits that they do, not the investor. Anyways, so, you know, you're, you're, you're fed this narrative, you know, it's no wonder why not, we grow up and don't know this. And so that's probably your first foray. Anybody listening here is that that's their first foray into investing in stocks, bonds, and mutual funds. Um, maybe, uh, you know, uh, a couple notes on the side or something like that, you know, nothing too crazy or alternative, as they say. But then you, you hit that level of achievement. You Somebody eventually kind of wakes up one day and realizes, wait, how, how am I going to scale myself, my cash flow? How am I going to be able to retire off of this? And then they might pick up a house or uh, maybe they convert their current home into a rental, right? They move into a new home and they convert their previous home into a rental. And then the light bulb goes off for them like it did for me. Oh, I have cash flow. Somebody else is paying down the, the loan on this property. I'm earning appreciation and I'm using leverage to maximize uh, my growth. Then you start picking up more homes and then you're just like, wow, this is very labor intensive. So you might scale up into larger assets, right? Sounds kind of like my journey, right? At the very beginning. But then eventually, and, and this is where a lot of people that are either high income earners, high net worth individuals and the 1%, they realize that their time is best leveraged in their job. They have a higher and best use of their time. And it's not painting their rentals or, you know, dealing with tenants or anything like that. It is learning to vet those operators that can bring their knowledge and experience, their ability to pull capital, ability to get um, high quality institutional grade deals. That is where their time is best used. And so they start investing in other people's deals so they can continue one, to leverage their their knowledge and experience, everything that they went to school for, but also create the impact in the world that they want to create. 
Okay. Not everybody's cut out to be a full-time real estate investor, you know, manage a large portfolio of their own active deals. You know, and I think a lot of people jump into the space expecting, hey, I'm going to become that real estate professional. I'm going to do this full-time. And then they, they wake up a few years later going, I like the income. I like the equity growth, but man, this is not fulfilling. And so that's really where the 1%, they realize that about themselves. They know where they're going to create the impact in the world and they learn how to vet other people to invest with. Hmm. Yeah, I love that. And and like I said, uh, you know, gets you can either be fortunate enough, get started in, you know, working with billionaires and private equity, you know, all of the um, high net worth, you know, family offices, or you have to start out from the ground up, you know, landlord, you know, and, um, but then eventually you talk about scaling from multifamily, you know, apartment syndication. This is what I really love. And, you know, like if you stay at a Hilton or Marriott, you know, all these places, they, uh, they have great employees and the investors, they, um, they, like I said, like you were describing, it's like they leverage their relationships, their political, social capital, create deals, create value and work smarter with their time. So you, like I said, like I said, real estate is one of those almost, you know, millionaire, centi-millionaire, billionaire has real estate in their portfolio. One thing is talking about, so I want to delve into kind of more current situation. And now is like, um, where do you see the, the current market, you know, starting out? Well, you know, if we're recording this June 1st, 2023, and it has been a, I would say, 15 months of a very wild ride with interest rates um, going up, the Fed raising interest rates. And so if you're uh, nail biting for people, especially if you are heavily invested in real estate, actively or passively. Um, So, but I, I think, I mean, I can, you know, maybe bust out the crystal ball a little bit and try to give some, you know, um, demystify the markets a little bit. Um, but really what I like helping people orient around is the principles that will help them navigate their investment, whether the market goes up, down or sideways. Okay, so let's talk on those principles first and then let's see where where this lines up with the, the current market. You know, and and this is one of the reasons why I love real estate, why I love investing in businesses that own real estate is because there's capital preservation there. You know, the, the, the real estate cannot generally cannot go to zero. There's always value in the land. There's always underlying value in the building. Um, in the business that, you know, that is sitting on that piece of real estate. So depending on how you're investing in real estate, um, I love investing in assets that cash flow today. In today's market, with everything that's going on, with interest rates, the current debt profile, everything, um, because it tells me that there's an element of stability here in that particular investment and that I could be nimble should I need to adjust to, um, you know, you know, potential recessionary situation. Like, do you know, if I'm investing in multifamily, do I need a whole rent flat for six to 12 months, you know, as the market is kind of, you know, doing what it needs to do? you know, in that part of the cycle. Okay. And then I love investing in assets that have equity levers and the more equity levers you can pull, the better. Do you have a way to decrease the expenses on the asset? And more importantly, do you have ways to add additional streams of income? Now, when we talk about cash flow and the equity, you might be able to do that with single family homes, 
right? But the more units you have in each of those investments, that's why multifamily is awesome. That's why self-storage is awesome. That's why having a portfolio of express car washes is awesome because now you've got multiple streams of income, multiple streams of cash flow supporting the value of the asset. Not only the cash flow that you can take home, put in your pocket, but the net operating income, the expected gross income growth that actually drives the value of that asset. So the market can go sideways, the market can go down. And if you're investing in an asset that's valued based on net operating income, you can still make money in a recessionary environment. And then we got tax benefits. I'm going to just, we have, there's seven that I love to go through, but I'll just cover four. I like investing in assets that have tax benefits. And so that's why a lot of us here love real estate, right? We can get take advantage of depreciation, accelerated depreciation. Um, we can also take advantage of 1031 exchanges to continue to kick that tax can down the road. And these are the fundamental principles that will help you and your portfolio um, grow no matter if the market's going up, down, or sideways. Now, what I challenge everybody is go through your portfolio line by line, each stock, bond, mutual fund, piece of real estate, note you're invested in and grade them in, 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 according to those four principles, capital preservation, cash flow, equity, and tax benefits. Now I'll offer up one more, the quality of the operator. We alluded to that at the very beginning. You have to be with an expert operator that knows their stuff. You know, that's one, you know, a huge thing in today's market to watch out for and make sure you're invested with experts because the, the market's been on a wild ride for like the past 10 years. I mean, everybody has looked like a genius um, investing in real estate, but you want to make sure that you're investing in a team that has a deep bench background in business, navigating business environments in real estate environments too. Not just COVID, but before, right? 10, the 10 to 15 years you know, running up to this. Now, where the answer your question more directly, where are we in this type of environment? Um, we're still seeing the interest rates rise, you know, with the Fed. I think we, you know, if I had my crystal ball, the, I think we could expect them to go up another quarter point, maybe one or more times this year. Because if you think about it, it takes six to nine months for interest, at least nine months, I would say, for that first interest rate raise to ripple effect through the economy. So what we're experiencing now is really the work that was done by the Fed mid, mid to late last summer, All right? So I think they're still trying to hold on to the slot. They can tamper inflation down to two to 3%. But every economist that I study is, I think, you know, there's two things that are happening. One, you know, we have seen some cracks in the economy. Um, I think the the those rate rate raises are going to be fewer, and they're going to maybe hold flat by the end of the year, um, and maybe even start coming down into mid to late twenty twenty. Um, and then two, you this is the time to invest with operators that know how to navigate that environment. Um, that if they're investing in a deal that they have put an interest rate cap on their loan, um, that they have underwritten the entire deal from day one from that cap, that that highest cap rate that they can have, that they have money in the bank to pay for the next cap rate or rate cap should they need it in the next 24 to 36 months. 
So those are just kind of some things that I'd help people, you know, take a look at, but it really boils down to fundamentals. Yeah. I love that. Um, like I said, like I said, really solid asset class can do so much with it. Like tax efficiency, capital efficiency, wealth is there's so many properties to real estate that make it really. And then, uh, but like I said, you, you're, you're alluding to, it's not a solo job. It's, you have to have a, you know, good team. Otherwise you're not scaling your time and you just buy yourself another job. Oh, I did that for sure. <laughs> I started off like in public health. Like I have a master's in public health and, and PhD. I don't use either one of them anymore because I needed to figure out how to scale myself. And I was able to do that through real estate and my investments. But it took me the better part of like 10 years to realize this isn't, I don't have to do it all. I can find the best of the best and invest with them and, and scale that way. You don't need to reinvent the wheel. Uh, you know, What's interesting is that there's a lot of different asset classes, like, for example, you know, commercial is a little bit riskier because, you know, this whole, in, like, there's a lot of office spaces empty, people are still paying the leases, they, you know, they have this debt, you know, if they refinance it, they have to pay more, you know, you have a looming recession, interest rates, you know, a lot of uncertainty. You talk about, for example, some, a lot of investors I talk to, they, they talk about multifamily, you talk about car wash, self-storage, which real estate asset classes do you see performing the best in this sort of environment? Again, this is not advice, this is just your opinions. Yeah. So again, I like thinking in fundamentals. So what does everybody need over their head? They need a roof. Um, I like multifamily for that reason. Now, multifamily, you know, if you have read any of the market reports by Johnny Chang, you know, one of the VPs at Marcus and Millichap, I mean, he had built this immense case why multifamily, even though the cap rate, their cap rates are compressed, cash flow is low, you there's still the fundamentals are still there to prop up multifamily for quite some time, at least another 10 years. We're 4.3 million units under supply today. Okay, that's problems only getting worse. Um, millennials are starting to move out of the urban centers into the suburban areas and forming families. So they're no longer rooming together, you know, with their buddies. They're breaking out into the suburban areas and they're creating family households. So we're seeing a lot of pressure in that transitory environment. They're also competing with baby boomers for the same property. Now that's going to do a couple of things. That's going to continue to drive up asset prices, but it's going to put down again, pressure on unit counts. And so we have to start delivering homes faster. Now, unfortunately with this recession, we've seen a lot of slowdown in construction. And so that's not going to help. It's not, I mean, for people who need root housing, that's not going to help their situation. For investors that are investing in housing, that will help your investment. And then we have one of the biggest wealth transfers occurring right now. $84 trillion is transferring, transferring from boomers to millennials. Now, that projection has gone up since COVID with this injection of you know, quantitative easing. And originally, it was six, six, $68 million or trillion dollars. Now, it's up to $84 trillion. All that capital is going to need to be placed into an asset. So you're going to have people chasing the same asset with more dollars in their pocket, which is going to continue to drive up asset prices. So that is a great case for multifamily. Now, everybody needs a roof over the head. What is the next thing that most Americans you know, take care of? They're going to take care of their things and then their cars. 
And I argue that they're going to take care of better care of their cars sometimes than the roof over their head. <laughs> so um, that's why self-storage, I think, is um, a great complement to multifamily, as well as express car washes, because you're tapping into the two things that Americans are never going to give up, and that's their belongings and their cars. And we can spend a whole hour on, you know, diving into the metrics there. Now, I want to kind of put a big a bit of an asterisk on this. We're seeing a lot of growth in some market areas of the United States, particularly the South, Southeast, um, the Gulf Corridor. You're also seeing some exit trends in other areas in the United States. So everything that I just said, you can't just like apply that fully um, to all areas in the, uh, the entire real estate market. You, it's still very regional. So you need to pay attention to where those trends are happening, where are populations growing, where are jobs growing, where are corporate businesses moving their headquarters to, where um, are tax uh, incentives for business, um, you know, business friendly, you know, a little bit lower. And so those are the areas in the United States. If somebody's looking to invest, I would really pay attention to those trends in those markets in order to set yourself you know, up for success. Uh, it's really interesting. The more people I talk to, the more it's like, now it's like there's different pockets and niches and different, it's in real estate is very local. So some places are, you know, experiencing boom and some places are stagnant. And then you cut, you talk, you, sorry, you couple that with, you know, what's going on macro, you know, it makes it very interesting and uh, it makes it a little bit more dynamic and get to be a little bit more flexible. So people, how do people contact you, um, follow you, check you out, visit your social media, etc.? Yeah, I actually make it really easy for people. If you want to reach out to me, go to Passive. Now that's a sub page on our PassiveInvesting.com website, but it's the only spot you can get my ebook, Passive Investing Made Simple. You can also get access, uh, priority access to our open deals, as well as find time on my schedule. And we can... Yeah, and uh, for all the listeners out there, let's thank um, uh, Whitney for coming out to the show. Like I said, uh, real estate is one of those traditional asset classes you have to understand to to get financially free, financially independence, uh, equities too, bonds as well. And then after that, uh, you can scale it. Uh, all of her resources will be in the links and show notes. And with that, thanks so much for coming on to the podcast. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. listening if you liked it be sure to like comment share subscribe we're on everywhere spotify itunes google amazon audible and without much ado be sure to thank this show's sponsors and we'll see you next week